Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast, episode number 116, if I am correct, and I should be correct, because I'm the one who made the damn, <clears throat> made the damn show, you know, the, the, all the colors and stuff, and exactly where you're going about doing things. So, um, episode number 116, as I mentioned, uh, just a second ago, <clears throat> one second, I'll fix any audio problems that you're having. Oh, and on this episode, we will be discussing something rather different, something of ECW, which WWE took a shot in the dark and just decided to at this time, rather, not recently. They decided that it was a good idea for some reason to boot up an old wrestling company that they had buried. <clears throat> and buy all the rights to it with the owner with the owner's permission, or the former owner's permission. Of course, his name is Paul Heyman. We all know Paul Heyman. We all know what he was capable of at that time. We all know exactly, well, you see, I keep saying we all, but then I remember that non-wrestling fans listen to my podcast simply to, you know, support me. And for that, I'm thankful. Hang on, we've got a bumping bass has to pass us for some reason. They have to come down the street. There we go. Yep. But he's got a small dick. <clears throat> or she. I don't mean to assume your gender. Whoever it is that you're, uh, you gotta bump your bass because, um... You have some insecurities on other things in your life, so you paid $1,200 to have a stereo system put into your vehicle that's really not going to pay off, you know, like odds are your vehicle's going to break down eventually. That stereo system's not going to be able to be taken out of your vehicle. Odds are, you know, that you're going to have to put another $1,200 down on another bump on stereo system just so that you can have that base again on the next fucking vehicle that you go to purchase. Yeah. Life sucks. But why would you spend $1,200 on it? Do you see where where I'm going with this? There's sort of some holes in your story. Why would you spend $1,200 on that? Could have purchased 700 pizzas, you know? I would have fed you for, I don't know, a month, two months, three months, four months, you know. I never get tired of pizza. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. Get a little angry, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take it down a notch, you know. On top of that, they went down a side of the street that I was walking on. Um, There's literally three or four crossroad streets that they could have went down. They didn't have to turn whenever they turned. They could have just minded their own business and kept going about their day somewhere else. Anyway, once again, getting off topic. You know, literally 10 different cross streets 
um, that run parallel to the street that I'm walking on. They didn't have to bump their stereo system right where I was walking. Next uh, thing on the itinerary after making fun of a clown is to go ahead and tell you guys what this episode is about. This episode... <laughs> Pretend like you didn't hear my voice crack. This episode is about ECW. Oh, what do you know? <clears throat> well, there's a little problem here, though. You know, these, these are small potatoes. Also, I'm going to leave in the description below, speaking of small potatoes, that's today's day of the word. I don't mean to sound like a Pee Wee Herman here. You know, like, ah, you said the word, ah, whatever, you know. It's Pee Wee's Playhouse, you know. That guy just oozes nothing but, like, pedophile energy. Nonetheless, what I mean to say is, um, uh, the show starts off a little weird. Hang on, we got another bumping stereo system coming our way. This is going to be a little bit distracting for me. Can't hold my attention to anything, so. Let's, uh, let's hear, uh, Big Boy, what he's got to say. He's got to play Chris Brown while he's passing me. He's... Is Chris Brown the one that makes all the boom, boom, boom noises? You guys can tell me because I'm a little bit, you know, out of the loop as far as like certain hip-hop anthems go. Oh, we got us another one. What do you know? Three. Wow. It must be like a world record. Oh, this one's coming from a house. Even though it sounds like it's on wheels. <laughs> Can you imagine a house on wheels? It'd be kind of scary. <laughs> well, that's my mobile home. <laughs> oh, shit. But I mean like a house on wheels, you know, like... Not even... Like, imagine a townhouse on wheels. That's pretty scary, too. Anyway, um, now that it seems as though that they've um, left, seeing as though that I'm not hearing them anymore... Right as the show starts, <clears throat> we get the introduction, uh, the introduction of the wrestler, uh, who is entering the ring, Sabu, and his opponent, who is already in the ring, didn't get an introduction. His name is Roadkill. So we got Sabu versus Roadkill. <clears throat> Roadkill, apparently... He's an Amish man. Never really heard of an Amish professional wrestler. <clears throat> and they are in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, this is a 1v1 Extreme Rules match. Just another way of saying a hardcore contest, but they can't say hardcore on TV because that would breach their PG guidelines because the word hardcore is the root word to another word um, <clears throat> that is closely associated with it. But, you know, could also use the word softcore. You're 
you're all drawing your own conclusions. Six. Anyway, Sabu versus Roadkill. <clears throat> Roadkill trips Sabu, who is looking for a moonsault of some sort. That might get an alliteration to it on commentary, saying that he was looking for a triple moonsault. And then I'm sort of sitting there thinking, Joey Styles, I don't think that's possible. You can't really do a moonsault three times. Um, but what you could do is maybe three jumps. Maybe a, that's what he means by triple moonsault. Three jumps, you know, in order to get you to do the moonsault. <clears throat> Roadkill uh, gets a two count on Sabu off the neckbreaker. Uh, Stinger Splash. Only a two count on Sabu by Roadkill. Uh, ECW uh, chants passionately, e passionately echo uh, throughout the arena. Sabu with a dive over the over the top, but Roadkill didn't catch Sabu. Sabu looked like he landed on his neck, and they even pointed out on commentary and show it on a replay. <clears throat> it looks like Sabu just just landed on his neck and it, it looks like he he could have broke his neck Joey Styles says um <clears throat> they keep saying that Sabu is evil Knievel of WWE I'm not a hundred percent for sure what that's supposed to be whether it's supposed to be a compliment or not um roadkill looking for the finish uh with an elbow drop from the top he only gets a two count uh, Sabu kicked out. Roadkill, by the way, looks to be like this 300 and at least 380 pounds, you know, six foot, maybe one, six, one, six, two and a half. You know, like he's a beefy, beefy looking guy. He looks like he's built like a church. <clears throat> Sabu. With a Rana, and excuse me, he doesn't even do a Rana. He does a Super Rana off the top rope. Uh, only gets two count on Roadkill. Roadkill uh, gets put in a camel clutch after a table spot. And Sabu wins via submission. Two and a half out of five stars. Uh, these two put on a performance, that's for sure. The only thing that I could uh, maybe say is that Something was edited out of the live broadcast because it seems a little weird to me that they would have the match uh, the way that they did rather than opening the program uh, like they did usually do. And I'm not 100% for sure <clears throat> uh, what it is. What it was, uh, something was edited out of the live program, sort of like Bubba Ray Dudley's uh, interview of the 9-11 tribute show I did. You guys remember wherever uh, I was talking about the fact that Bubba Ray was talking and then all of a sudden they just cut to the next program and they just act like that that's what was supposed to happen, you know, um, because Bubba Ray was talking about repercussions and how the people who did this 
and then all of a sudden it just gets just cuts out and Bubba Ray Dudley didn't get to finish his piece. It's really disrespectful to do that, you know. I would imagine that they did like maybe maybe they did like uh six hundred of those, you know, little uh close night in tight in rather, um interviews wherever it was sort of like just a superstar looking at the camera and then they were like just expressing their feelings for what happened during the 9-11 a tragedy <clears throat> and then after that they were like okay can we edit this down a little bit and then they chose like maybe 30 to use <laughs> I don't I don't know it's a little bit weird <clears throat> but also the other problem that I had was the fact that the show opens with literally usually whenever a show opens like a wrestling show usually there's someone in the ring or the camera will directly go to commentary and then they'll they'll brief you about what you're supposed to expect tonight oh ladies and gentlemen tonight we've got a huge main event and then they'll tell you about the quote unquote huge main event which is usually something that's underwhelming just like I think it was two weeks ago whenever we watched like fucking Fatal 4-Way no it was a tag team match a tag team match between um like Randy Orton and Kane versus John Cena and, Ray and uh, uh, Roman Reigns <clears throat> like I said I'm not watching that shit I, t I took notes on it uh, oh my god it was so boring <clears throat> and they they're talking about how it was just like some huge main event. No it wasn't. No it was no, don't don't say that. Try to hype something up like that which doesn't doesn't belong, you know, somewhere near that. I do apologize that it wasn't here last week, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you wondering. Um <clears throat> I decided that I wasn't going to wait until Tuesday again, and then finally take the notes, upload the show in a hurry, stuff of that nature, so I decided just to take the whole, take the whole week off, usually my, you know, it's not really my policy, usually my policy is, hey, one episode's better than no episode, am I right? Am I right, George? Well, anyway, I sort of uh, fumbled the ball in this one. Right now as we speak, I am looking at the full moon. Ladies and gentlemen, those of you who don't know, that is a very powerful thing. Not just to look at it, but to understand the power of the moon. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably need to Google it. Not that Google can give you all of the answers of the world. However, Google can give you some mythology that will maybe inform you of what it is that the moon controls. The moon is a very inept part of Mother Nature, <clears throat> and it deserves to be respected as such. Ladies and gentlemen, shout out to the moon. Those of you who don't know, perhaps maybe you'll never know.
but there are many different witchcraft rituals that you can do in order to, um, well, further increase not only your life expectancy, but as well as your life's um, value, or for that matter, the quality of life that you have that are performed under the full moon. And if done correctly, then you could watch your wildest dreams come true. And it won't cost you your soul. It won't cost you a dime. Because the universe is built on people's happiness. Believe it or not. So, I just thought that I would throw that out there. You know, perhaps you're looking for a more fulfilled life. Perhaps you're not exactly... You know, you can believe whatever you want to believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Matter of fact, I was talking to a Christian the other day. Just, I know, random conversations. Just hear me out here. I was talking to a Christian the other day. Ned Flanders, sort of. You know, I, I mean, he doesn't look like Ned Flanders. And Anyway, they told me that I need to find Jesus in my heart because here's their logic. Nothing don't come from nothing. So I went home, thought about it a little bit, you know, thought about that, that thing that they said, nothing don't come from nothing. How exactly does the Bible start again? <clears throat> no exposition whatsoever. You get no backstory whatsoever of like any sort of, hey, where's Jesus? Where did he go? How did he obtain these powers? How did he, do, you know, do all these magic tricks in order to walk on water or whatever else? And the magic tricks, sorry, I'm not trying to devalue what it is that Jesus has done or anything of that nature. Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to fill time for my podcast because i still got a little bit to talk about. Uh... <clears throat> This is just my internal monologue a little bit. You know, my thinking process. Nothing don't come from nothing. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. Because, <clears throat> whenever I was thinking about that, whenever I was sitting there and I was like, how exactly is it that the Bible started again? All of a sudden, there was nothing but darkness. And then an ominous voice said, let there be light, and so there was. Okay, seems a little odd to me that if nothing don't come from nothing, then how exactly do you explain the ominous light that just poofed out of nowhere? Seems like a magic trick to me. The science can't even explain that. <clears throat> and usually we look for science for, like, other rotisserary answers of the universe and stuff of that nature. The universe... Keep in mind, wants to see you happy. That's what the universe wants. Not sure what God wants. Don't know what his intentions are with my life or anyone else's life. However, I'm going to impose hard questions for you guys. Everyone else that you've ever heard of, that you've ever maybe had the opportunity to hear their story of, regardless of how far-fetched that it sounds... Everyone else has a backstory, some sort of origin story. Let me give you an example. The Egyptian god Ra. 
The Egyptian god is known as the sun god. There's also a moon god. As I just stated before, the moon is a very powerful tool if you use it correctly. You can use this with your own power. Do you have power? Yes. Yes, you do. Believe it or not. Power is energy. Energy is chakra. This may sound like a very, you know, elongated explanation. I'm sorry. I thought I seemed like a ten-foot demon. Holy crap. <laughs> I thought that I seemed like a ten-foot demon. It was just a power pole. It was just a power pole. <laughs> I am losing it today. I thought that I seemed like some sort of demon in a robe that had like fingers that were like really big or arms rather that were like really big they were just sticks that were just that was just a tree and that was just a power pole okay that was something else anyway yes you do have energy and it is called chakra perhaps you've heard of it it is the you know japanese equivalent to what goku oh i shouldn't say japanese equivalent it's what goku uses in order to like you know fire his kai blasts or whatever it's what he uses to fly around with in the video games whenever he's charging you know whenever he goes super saiyan or whatever else but and naruto uses it too but let's take it away from not being a weaponized thing this energy that you have you can manipulate it and you can manipulate the other energies that other people have as well if they're insecure. Now, what do I mean by that? You could possibly use it in order to maybe sort of influence someone's decision, for instance. I've done it multiple times. I've done it many times. And sometimes it works. Other times, you're left to wonder. Did it work? Did I do it right? A lot of you might be wondering, hey, wait, wait a minute, where did this all of a sudden exposition come from? Well, I just happened to look up at the moon. I do apologize for getting off topic once again. <coughs> As it seems to be a, a common running theme here on the podcast. But see, I wanted all of you, my listeners, to know just how powerful you truly are. And that power does not come at a price. You are powerful. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is look up at the moon. Watch its radiant glow, especially under the full moonlight like it is tonight. It's a very sensual energy that you can that you can have from the moon and the only thing that you have to do possibly lay down and invoke that energy. You can invoke it simply by thinking about that energy that you control that you can manipulate as I stated before. You can manipulate other people's energy too if they don't use it themselves. <laughs> you can use it to garner things such as money, power, position, or influence things that you would want 
in your life. And yes, you can use it for good. You can use it for inherently evil things. But good and evil are a concept that is not so black and white. What might be good for you might not be so good for everyone else. For instance, I don't smoke weed. I believe that it is the devil's lettuce. It is just that. It is nasty. But other people seem to think, oh, yes, this is going to solve all my problems. I'm just going to put this uh, joint to my lips. and <sighs> Yes, that is curing me of all of my ailments. <clears throat> As I stated before, though, the point that I was trying to make is that something can't come from nothing. Hmm. An interesting concept to think about. But whenever you think about all the other um, gods and demigods, and I gave examples such as um, Ra, the sun god, the Egyptian sun god. Um, there might be other examples as well. Aphrodite, for instance, is a uh, supposed goddess. I'm saying supposed a very, I should say, hardly. You know, not loosely, but like the opposite of loosely. Because I've seen the power of Aphrodite. I've offered her um, different different things and gotten in reward I've gotten rewarded for offering her different uh, objects and different things like candies and, and sweets and Reese cups, stuff of that nature. Of course, even though there's three or four different, three or four different fucking cross streets that connect to this one street, you have to, whoever this person is who's passing me up, I hope that they hear this. Of course, you have to come from behind me and make me move out of the way whenever I'm on a fucking dirt road. You would figure that they would want to stay on the fucking road, but I guess they don't want to. They got tired of me talking about Aphrodite. <clears throat> anyway, enough of that. I won't call it noise. Enough of that nonsense, you know, if that's what you supposedly call it. But just remember, uh, Aphrodite has a backstory that was constructed from uh, other individuals who maybe told the story of Aphrodite. She is a goddess. She has a reputation and she earned that reputation through um, other individuals telling that story. However, whenever you compare that, even the sun god Ra and whoever the moon god is, um, whenever you compare that and every other mythological, you know, sort of triumph that you've heard, and this is something that's just bothered me, I guess. To the Christian God that you hear, it, it's almost, it's almost like 
someone's lying. You know, and I hate to say that. Because I know that maybe this could get me a demotion. You know, maybe like a, a less than rectable five-star review. But... Something's not adding up, you know? Jesus. Your story doesn't make sense. God... He so saved us, but what did he save us from? And how exactly do I go about obtaining such perfection? You see where I'm getting at here? Like, I can't even do a, a ritual in Christianity. It's going to bring me closer to God. But if I do something for Aphrodite, Aphrodite does something for me. You know, like, I could either cheat on my test and know that I'm not going to get caught because my father is the professor and, of course, he wants me to pass. Meanwhile, while he's looking at all the other students and not me, you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to cheat on the test. Dad doesn't care if I cheat on the test, does he? No, of course not. You know, like, this, does it make simple sense? Make it make sense, you know, for me. Make it make sense for me. Meanwhile, somebody like, dare I say, <clears throat> the devil would... Well, believe it or not, you know, in the Bible it has, like, all of these things, you know, that are like, hey, you can't do this, or this, or that. Oh, yeah, by the way, don't eat this. You're not allowed to do that. You know, oh, yes, and this is also a sin. Uh, that is a sin. You're not allowed to do this, you know. Like, there's all of these restrictions on whether or not God will love you or not. You know, that's another thing. Meanwhile, Satan, you know, the, the guy who was demonized, get what I did there? The guy who was demonized <clears throat> about everything in modern Christianity, right? Well, if you follow along, he preaches individualism. He says stuff like, um, so you're gay? I'm alright with that. Yeah, doesn't bother me. Oh, so you, you eat lamb? That's cool. And it's not um, I don't know, what, what is it, like, kosher? Yeah, oh, and it's not kosher. That's all right, man. You know, you eat what you want. Live your life. I'm, uh, I'm 
going to go with him. You know, at this point, I would rather hold hands with the devil than walk with Jesus. If that makes sense. And I'm assuming it should make sense, even though it's sort of acidinely backwards. It's sort of like not what I was... Not what I was uh, brought up to believe, you know? And it's sort of like, oh... Um, you're going to go the exact opposite way than all of the things that were um, practically beat into your head while you were a child. <laughs> and now you feel somewhat bad about it <laughs> simply because you were told not to do the one thing that you're doing now. Just, just some things just don't make sense. And one of the things that don't make sense is why was I talking about that again? You know, it's just something that I I can't find a way to like uh console that and actually find an appropriate time to bring that up, you know? So I figured, you know what? If I can remember all this and I remembered almost all of it if not half of it, you know, like I went over those notes, like it's not on my notes. I still got notes to tell you guys about what happened. Um, I think it was episode one, no season one, episode three of, I didn't write down the date, but season one, episode three of, um, ECW and the WWE. <clears throat> Anyway, um, we go to the ring, and in the ring we have Tommy Dreamer. The first, the first words out of this man's mouth is, Big Show, I have a lot of respect for you after last week uh, when you beat me down, but <clears throat> all I have to say to you is, thank you, sir. May I have another? So the Big Show beat up Tommy Dreamer last week. He uh, beat him so bad he was walking home pretzel-legged. And uh, <clears throat> Tommy Dreamer just says, Thank you, sir. May I have another? He's out here acting like Oliver Twist. Which, in case you don't know, in that book and in that movie, Oliver Twist, um, I'm not sure why he does this, but... He comes up to the guy who was serving like soup or whatever uh, for some reason. Once again, I'm a little bit shady on the results. <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand why he was doing this. But Oliver Twist is like a little boy, and he comes up to like um, this grown man who's got like a kettle of soup, and he's trying to feed everyone from said kettle of soup. And everyone gets like a half of a ladle full of soup, I'm assuming, in like this movie and maybe in the book. And <laughs> Oliver Twist, this little boy, just comes up to this other um, adult, I guess, and he brings his uh, food bowl with him. And in the movie, I've seen this, I've seen the clip and I've heard the audio from it. Uh, at least once 
on a cartoon that was parodying it, but I've never really seen the actual movie itself. But anyway, um, he comes up to this adult man, and then he says, Thank you, sir. May I have another? And then this adult man in the parody that I watched goes, What? <laughs> he looks at this child all, you know, big-eyed, and he's just like, What? That's absurd. You do not have another. You know, like, it's out of the realm of possibility for this child to ask for some more food. Like, I don't know what, what was going on. No background or anything like that. Because I've only seen the one um, parody clip. Of course, more rednecks. <clears throat> but uh he's out here acting like Oliver Twist then the big show comes out to the ring and the bell is not rung they're in like competition clothes too that's the one thing that bothered me was they were in like um like the big show he wasn't wearing just a t-shirt he was wearing like the thing that he usually wrestles in More bass and music, which I've already explained why that's a bad idea. Why would you drop $1,100 on a fucking bass system just to know that it's going to go... Like, why does that make sense? It it doesn't. It makes less sense than the Christianity lore that I just tried to give. You see what I did? See what I did? I set up that entire fucking joke just to make a joke at that man's expense. I swear. And I could possibly keep making jokes. You know, years down the line. Like, <clears throat> I could possibly say, this is almost more ridiculous than that time that that guy bought an $1,100 fucking speaker system for a car that's probably going to break down in like a year. You know, like, the people just don't think. They just don't think. They, they got the money in their hands, but they don't think, huh, how can I... Maybe turn this into $2,200 or $3,300. But me? I'm thinking 10 steps ahead. I'm definitely not going to be like, you mean to tell me you could you could uh, possibly put a bumping speaker system into this? Be sign me up. How much money do you need? You know, what? Why, why does that make sense? Exactly, it doesn't. You could have had 70 pizzas. Sounds like a lot of pizzas to me. Oh, then the big show comes out to the ring. <clears throat> Hang on. Yay! The bell is not ring. Uh, it seems like uh, it's some sort of fight, and it's not an actual match. It's just a segment to blow off time. Um, this re this reminds me of uh, Jeff Hardy. Undertaker rivalry because in Jeff Hardy's um rookie year being with the WWE or at least one of his like he must have been there for like three years or four and <clears throat> there was this point where he was facing the Undertaker in like a uh in like a um uh ladder match for the Undertaker's undisputed championship something of that nature 
And um, what ended up happening was Undertaker basically gave Jeff Hardy a choke slam uh, after the match. After he had, I, I'm almost certain that he beat Jeff Hardy. I don't remember Jeff Hardy winning winning that night, but anyway, um, he beats Jeff Hardy, and then after he beats him in the ladder match, uh, Hardy would not stay down. Hardy got up one time, and then he grabbed a microphone, and as The Undertaker was prepared to leave, Jeff Hardy said, I'm still standing. And then after that, The Undertaker got off of his bike, and then he got from the uh, ring ramp, he went all the way down to the um, ring, the wrestling ring, and then he choke slams the... Uh, Jeff Hardy again and then after that he tries to leave the ring and then Jeff Hardy ends up getting up much to the dismay of like uh, J.R. and King the commentators at the time who was trying to tell him just stay down kid just stay down <laughs> you've got nothing to prove <laughs> and then Jeff Hardy gets up again and then he says I'm still standing and then I'm like don't do this you're doing career suicide. Don't do this, kid. And anyway, The Undertaker goes, Can't believe this little bastard. He gets back in the ring, and he goes to chokeslam Jeff Hardy again. Except this time. Instead of chokeslamming him, he looks him in the eye. Shakes his hand. And then he raises his hand. So, you know, The Undertaker... Showing some, uh, <laughs> showing some respect to Jeff Hardy, but every time that uh, Hardy would keep running his mouth, I swear, Jr. and King were having a field day. They were like, he must have more guts than brains. <laughs> it was hilarious. But anyway, that's what I went ahead and put down here on my notes, and I just went ahead and gave you guys like the synopsis of it because. I spent way too long talking about it here. You know, The Undertaker and Jeff Hardy uh, rivalry. And it wasn't really a rivalry so much as it was. It was one of those moments that you'll never forget. You know, like, I know that I'll never forget it. Uh, as long as, like, the sky's blue and, like, there's no meteor or black hole coming to, you know, get us anytime soon. And according to scientists, there's not a black hole, <clears throat> but there will be one expected to show up between the years of 2031 and 2037. And if that doesn't get us, then um, the gamma rays between the years of 2040 and 2042 might just cook us. But at the same time, by the time that they reach Earth, not only the black hole and also the um, gamma ray, by the time that they reach Earth, they would be extremely um, weak. So, you know, don't really have to worry about that all that much. I've been standing outside this person's house for way too long, and I'm almost certain that they're about to call the police. So, I'll catch you guys in the next segment. When we talk about a passionate promo by Kurt Angle, uh, 
who says he's a failure and he can't stand to look himself in the mirror. Uh, so I'm just giving you guys the synopsis a little bit. Um, <clears throat> whenever he says that he can't stand to look himself in the mirror uh, because since April 2nd, 2006, well, he doesn't give the year, but he says April 2nd and uh, the episode description said that this took place in 2006. And I lied to you guys and said that there was no episode, you know, that it was season one, episode three of ECW from the WWE Network. But it says here that this promo was in June 27th of 06. So I'm sorry for um, telling you a little mistruth, but I reassure you that everything that I've told you up until this point has been nothing but the most accurate that I have to offer, including the thing about Aphrodite, the uh, supposed alleged goddess that you guys probably haven't heard of, because who knows, maybe you haven't done any research about Aphrodite. I honestly forgot what she was the goddess of, but that's not the point. I know that I've asked her for help, and she has provided it. Because I've sent her energy. And that energy, like I said before, is connected to you. So there's no way that anyone else would ever... You know, the things that you're asking for, if you're using your energy, your chakra, odds are it's going to come back to you. Because you're manifesting it. Anyway, anyway. Ever since April 2nd, uh, he can't stand to look himself in the mirror... Uh, even though he feels like a man, he's putting on a brave face for his wife and his children because inside he's a failure. He's going to correct that tonight as he faces off against Rob Van Dam, uh, a man who he personally has no problem with, but is going to beat him so bad that he's going to wish that he could go back in time and find another line of work. He's going to wish that he would have never uh, have crossed paths with Kurt Angle. But before Kurt, get a small segment from uh, Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly. And he's looking at her boobs and he's licking his lips. And uh, looking at her chest. He then tells her that he likes it. he likes it but he only wants her to show him nobody else. So for those of you who don't know Kelly Kelly at the time the woman in question who he was um practically eyeballing her her breasts um, Kelly Kelly at the time in kayfabe was an exhibitionist. <clears throat> something that one of the commentators has a problem saying. Instead of saying exhibitionist, he says expositionist, which is funny to me because an expositionist, I'm, I'm not really sure what that is, but it's, it's funny because uh, Joey Styles on commentary keeps laughing at him because he can't say exhibitionist. Instead, he says expositionist. He's like, I'm really happy that Kelly is an, exhibi 
an expeditionist. <laughs> Just God damn it. She's not an expeditionist. That that's not a word. I don't know if that's a word. But anyway, um we have a laugh. He has a laugh and uh, Joey Styles over there is cracking himself up. He's like, it's expositionist. It's not expositionist. He's like, it's exhibitionist. <laughs> it's hilarious. Before that, we get a small segment uh, from Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly. Oh, okay. Um, so he wasn't exactly looking at, you know, Kelly's tatas. But the segment played out as though that he was. Because there was a cameraman in front of them, and um, she had her wire to her, to her bra, which was halfway slid off her shoulder and halfway slid off her elbow. And um, he sort of hesitates for a minute, you know? Like, it's almost like you were pressing... Um, play from the pause menu and he sort of looks at the cameraman or whatever and then afterwards he sort of you know just pauses and then he gives sort of a brief pause before he actually says his his line or what it was that he was supposed to say which is you know hey I like that you're you're showing me, but I, I would appreciate it if you would only show me. Don't show anyone else, Kelly. Okay? That's that's a no-no. We should learn to be loyal to each other. And if you do like to show so much, why don't you... Hang on, we got a another fucking dickhead. There we go. Anyway... If you do like to show so much, Kelly, then how come you don't just show me and then just appropriate me to the ring? You know, uh, appropriate. I'm sorry, I don't mean to say that. It's just like Taz, you know, I was making fun of him for saying, why don't you accompany, I'm sorry, accompany me to the ring. And then she's like, okay, sure, I'll accompany you to the ring. <clears throat> And so she does. And we go to that match right now. Okay. And uh, before you guys go nuts canceling my show because of a few... I have a few... Dis distinctions. Okay. Uh, here's a few distinctions. One distinction is that uh, she's got a top on, clearly... But this is played up for the segment. Also, um, I'm pretty sure it would, like, generate their... It would degenerate, rather. There we go. That's what we needed. It would degenerate their um, PG rating, sort of, like, just undermined it. So they can't really do that. Uh, two, for those of you who didn't know, Kelly had recently at the time came out as an ex exhibitionist. Almost called her what Taz wants to call her, an expositionist. Came out as an exhibitionist uh, because uh, she loves to show off her body. Her words, not mine. 
as we go to Mike Knox versus Danny Dory. All right, so there's one problem with this. I'm just going to go ahead and jump off a ledge right now because I couldn't see this match. Literally couldn't see anything that was happening. Practically nothing that was happening. I couldn't see anything. So do you know why? It's because the cameraman was practically... <clears throat> a cameraman was practically going ham. I mean it. He was going H-A-M, and that stands for something. Here in a minute, I'll tell you what it is, okay? He was going ham on Kelly Kelly, and that's all that he cared about was Kelly Kelly. He didn't give a fuck about Mike Knox. He could care less about whoever Danny Dory is, because obviously he's a jobber who's going to get his ass kicked because the story revolves around Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly. It really didn't revolve that much around uh, whoever the fuck Danny Dory was. And then I could tell you what my perception of this was, because as a child, I was probably 12 years old, maybe maybe 13. I was still a child. I was preteen. If not, I was a teenager. And what it ended up happening was I was living with my mom at the time, <clears throat> Long story short, she didn't want me to watch wrestling because apparently her dad ruined wrestling for her, so she had to ruin wrestling for me or something like that. No, no, no. It had to do something with, oh, I'm on drugs, and I don't care what you want to watch, even though you're the child. You know, like, it's TV. TV time is my time, you know? Like, I'd appreciate it once in a while. You just turn on the TV, and then you just shut up, you know? Your TV's on. We can just be quiet. We don't got to look at each other. I hate family game night. But anyway, the point is, is that, well, really, there was no point to that rant. <clears throat> I couldn't see the match. There was nothing happening. And I mean, nothing happening. Do you know why? Because the cameraman wanted to focus on Kelly Kelly. And not only that, but there was a fan in the crowd who wanted to focus on Kelly Kelly. And guess what? That's what he got. He got exactly what he had asked for because the fan in the crowd wanted Kelly to shake her, her breasts to him. And so uh, she did, sort of. She got up in front of him. And then you remember the whole, hey, you should follow me to the ring by Mike Knox. Well, that ended up being his downfall. Uh, I mean, he won the match. It's not the point. I couldn't give the match a rating because I didn't see enough of it. But once again, that's not the point. The point is, is that Kelly, I mean, if I wanted to rate something, I could only rate her, which I don't mind doing. I mean, she's a very beautiful woman, but that's not the point. Once again, once again it wasn't a Kelly Kelly match. It wasn't a wrestling match for Kelly Kelly. The meat and potatoes of the match just had a lot to do with Kelly Kelly. That's practically it. It had nothing to do with anybody else. Uh, Kelly started shaking like for this man, started shaking like her, her breasts. And don't worry, she had like a bra on. And she even went as far as to ask this man, random boy in the crowd, to take off her bra, and as soon as she did that, about three seconds later, her, I'm going to put this in air quotes, overprotective boyfriend, because I don't even know if they were dating at the time or whatever, 
Mike Knox shows up, and all of a sudden, he just throws this man back into his seat. That's not how you're supposed to treat a wrestling fan, but okay. I mean, we could we could have talked about this over a cup of coffee. I mean, Kelly was coming on to me. Actually, no, I guess technically this guy wanted Kelly's attention. But, I mean, if you've seen what I've seen, Kelly was halfway across the room, you know? And all of a sudden, out of all the people, she chooses to, to like, riz up this guy and, you know, starts, like, I don't know, showing the the top half of her breast to him. <coughs> anyway, I'm talking about breasts way too much. I want to go get a chicken breast. Uh, Kelly is outside flirting with uh, someone on the outside, giving him the, the puppy eyes and the shake, shaking her breasts, and sort of giving him uh, a peek for those of you uh, wondering. I'm trying to keep track of uh, what's happening in the wrestling match because <clears throat> oh, okay because I understand that my content is not very porn oriented however the cameraman is doing me no favors so I'm going to blame the production the television show where their focus is mainly on Kelly Kelly and less on the wrestling match that they want me to rate. Kelly Kelly uh, gets up close to this fan who starts, she tarts, starts to take her shirt off, uh, revealing that there's a bra underneath it. And the, the most that Kelly was doing, though, to be honest, and I can understand why because it's a PG product at the time, but anyway, the most that Kelly was doing is like she had a blouse on and she would like, move the blouse from her shoulder to like from her shoulder to like her elbow and then perhaps put her blouse back on her shoulder revealing that she had an underwire you know like but the underwire was really captivating because it's one of those metal spiky ones that sort of like belly dancers use and then every time that the light shimmers, it's sort of, it's like glittery and shit. It's like, God damn. Ooh, what a bra. Kelly asks this guy to unhook her bra. And about 4.9 seconds in, she gets, he gets shoved back into the seat by her jealous boyfriend, uh, Mike Knox, who seems... Uh, to shove the man headfirst back into his seat. Kelly leaves almost as if she's upset, and Knox hits a big boot on Dory and gets the win. Uh, the storytelling here, I would have to give this one a 2 out of 5 stars. Um, <clears throat> Kelly's performance was beautiful. I just wish that I got to actually see the match. Uh... I got to see bits of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you got my attention. Good job, buddy. Directly after the match, uh, Mike Knox wins, and Kelly is at the one place that Mike Knox asked her not to go. 
the stage. So, for those of you who don't know, Kelly Kelly had recently set up sort of like this, this um, stage of sorts. And I'm not talking about the wrestling like stage, like the the entrance ramp stage. There was actually a, a sort of a set, a stage, if you will. And it sort of is sort of like something that you would see on the set of Burlesque or on the set of maybe... Bring It On, you know? Uh, if you've ever watched Bring It On. I always felt bad watching those show, watching that movie. I would feel like someone else coming into the room would judge me. You know, it was almost like something from Footloose, if Footloose was an X-rated movie. <clears throat> but, like I said before, Kelly, whenever she does her dancing, I'm going to put that in air quotes because it's not really dancing. Um, she doesn't really dance at all. <laughs> the most she does is, like, bend over and, uh, oh, look, I'm going to take off my shorts. And then she very clumsily, while in high heels, takes off her shorts. And then she very, almost like, I'm going to take off uh, whatever's left of this dress that I've got on. Or, it's not a dress, it's... Uh, it's very difficult for me to explain... It might be like a slip-on dress. I mean, not 100% for sure. But yeah, it's like, oh no, I've got on lingerie. What am I going to do next? And then all of a sudden, her boyfriend, Mike Knox, once again shows up to spoil the party, much to the crowd's dismay because they're booing him. And then he throws her a towel and tells her to get down. Meanwhile, she was humping the chair, you know? Like, there was a still folding chair and she was trying to bend over on it, but she was failing miserably. It was almost like she was doing a backwards Fortnite dance and somehow lost her rhythm. But anyway, that's not the point. She went ahead and um, <clears throat> put the towel over her, and then she was sort of dragged off the stage. This would lead up to another um, feud with someone. Mike Knox would eventually get the attention of CM Punk. And um, if you've seen the photo shoot of Kelly Kelly, wherever she's like in the CM Punk garb, and she's got all the tattoos and stuff, and, you know, there were temporary tattoos, I'm sure, because she doesn't have tattoos. I don't know. It was it was sort of a time to be alive, and it's like, oh my god, Kelly Kelly's endorsing CM Punk. That's so cool and original. And and then whenever, like, I noticed that AJ Lee also got in to, like, CM Punk's circle, I was sort of like, oh no, AJ Lee and CM Punk. I could see them being an item, and then it was so cool. My definition of cool might be different than something that you guys find to be cool. But anyway, I thought, for sure, this is the best thing ever. You know, AJ Lee, CM Punk, he's got the whole I dig crazy chicks thing. Uh-oh. There we go. 
more $1,200 speakers down the drain. I just wish that I could pull them over and be like, you do realize that your vehicle is going to eventually demolish, right? You just spent like $600, $800 for nothing. And I'm talking nothing. And then they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Well, anyway, what I mean to say is that <clears throat> it was um, quite a time to be alive. Quite a beautiful time to be alive. <clears throat> we get some mystery man showing up to the ring. Uh, well, I know his name. <clears throat> By the sounds of a com commentary, uh, doesn't know who it is. <sighs> By the sounds of a commentary, doesn't know this man's name, but... If memory serves me correctly, it's Big Dick Johnson. Yes, that was a double entendre, for those of you wondering. And yes, that was yet another salacious sexual joke. But imagine your name is Big Dick Johnson for a minute. <laughs> you know, you, you're just flexing too hard at this point. As much as... uh. And much like Kelly Kelly, uh, he started uh, stripping. But as you can tell by the double entendre of his name, he's here to strip in a different manner. So Taz sees this man come out, sees him start ripping off his tuxedo and um, all of the, the fucking backwards Fortnite dancing that he's doing. I guess I'll use that again. The fact that he's not doing any sort of Michael Jackson moves. Um, and Taz has one thing to say. And Taz on commentary says, Kelly, come back. Kelly, where are you? And then the Sandman shows up. <clears throat> I found where this infamous gif was born. I <clears throat> used to see this gif a lot as a kid. And I will put a link in the description he do for those of you wondering what GIF that is. But um, it's a GIF that we used to see a lot as a child, um, especially if we had the internet. And at the time I didn't really have the internet, but once I would get the internet and once I would start to understand um, where exactly that GIF came from, now I know. So pretty good to it would take too much energy and too much time for me to sit here and try to explain to you guys what it was that I was seeing but the Sandman came out he's got the that bamboo kendo stick that he always signature stick that he always used to you know use to like beat people with <clears throat> and according to some people Sandman um it was either Sandman that stole Steve Austin's gimmick or Steve Austin that stole Sandman's gimmick, who who was coming out with a beer all the time and, you know, uh, raising hell and whatever else, which to me seems as though that it was an original idea by Steve Austin. And for that matter, it was just relatable. It was relatable. I mean, who wouldn't want to come to work, give their boss the finger, and for that matter, you know, tell him where to stick it, you know? I'm going to do what I want to who I want to when I want. But at the same time, you have to suspend your disbelief for a little bit because if it was really like that, 
Steve Austin wouldn't have been in the position that he was in. So there had to be some sort of, hey, let's not go so far, you know. <clears throat> Even though he did a lot of things to him, including assaulting him on more than one occasion, uh, putting a snake in his car, you know, he, for that matter, <laughs> ran him over with a monster truck, um, ran over his, his Lincoln Continental. I'm not really sure what the... In 1999, how expensive a Lincoln Continental was. Uh, he apparently, according to Jim Ross, made Mr. McMahon have several uh, strokes and heart attacks, according to um, Jim Ross on commentary for professional wrestling. I suppose that I'm getting off topic again, but it's very important that you understand the relationship between Steve Austin and between Vince McMahon. That relationship is always something that whenever you look at it, you think to yourself, wow, what a, <laughs> what a beautiful relationship. I mean, Steve Austin sprayed him with beer. Like I said, he put a snake in his car. Um, he, um, <laughs> just thinking of just what's the most wretched thing that Steve Austin had done to Mr. McMahon. Like I could make a list that's probably like, top 50 things that ever happened to Mr. McMahon perpetrated by Steve Austin. This man has no license plate on his vehicle. Holy shit. Cameraman deserves to be fired after Sandman practically uh, breaks a kendo stick over this man's ass. Uh, he leaves but keeps in keep in mind that he's wearing a thong and this man who is uh the build of Danny DeVito gets his ass shown in full view as he limps away in pain with red marks on his ass cheeks and the the sandman breaks a beer can over his own head and he's bleeding because that aluminum can just sort of made him bleed. But it was a common Sandman staple. What he would do is uh, he would drink a beer and then he would get it about to wherever it was halfway full. And then afterwards he would go ahead and um, uh, break the beer can over his head. So it was one of those Sandman staples. He would usually do it a lot Anyway, despite any uh, overtones that this episode may or may not have had um, this entire time where we've been talking about religion and we've been talking about the the <clears throat> sex and we've been talking about uh, God and the devil and a whole bunch of other um, concepts of life and philosophy, <sighs> this episode is brought to you by, well, I couldn't find a sponsor that would actually um, sponsor. There's that word again. <clears throat> that would actually sponsor me for this um, episode in particular. So once I go back to those notes, we go to a backstage segment when Paul Heyman is talking to Rob Van Dam. And um, <clears throat> in talking to him, he's letting him know uh, what's at stake later on tonight 
uh, in presumably about 10 minutes. And he's letting RVD know um, what the wind condition is tonight, uh, talking to Rob Van Dam and letting him know that if he loses tonight to Kurt Angle, then the triple threat match that is already scheduled for this Saturday would then become a fatal four-way match. Paul Heyman makes a <clears throat> makes a mistake here by saying that uh, the odds are against RVD on Saturday night's main event if he if RVD loses because the odds are, as Paul Heyman put it, unmeasurable. Actually, Paul, the odds are measurable. Believe it or not. Because if RVD is going up against two other men, like you say that he is, then, um, as we know, those are measured odds. We can measure those, Paul. So, Mr. Heyman, i got to ask you, don't use words unless you don't expect those words to be thrown in your face by a podcast host like 10 years in the future. You know, well, this happened in 2006, and 10 years would have been 2016. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Okay, 18 years in the future. Holy fucking shit. 18 years in the future. A baby born in 2006 is going to be 18 this year. My God, man means those 2006 cuties will be legal. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm moving on. Edit that out, by the way. Edit that out. Don't, don't, don't make this be the, the live cut, you know. We can't be doing that. I look like a, <clears throat> I look like a uh, bad person if we do that. But anyway, <clears throat> Paul Heyman let, letting RVD know that the odds are immeasurable, which isn't true. That's that's not the right terminology. <clears throat> Have you seen me the past couple of days, Paul? And then RVD proceeds to say, I've been smoking. Now, for those of you who don't know, right around this time, if not right before this time, uh, maybe two or three months before, uh, RVD had recently been suspended by the WWE at and around this time, um, if my timeline is correct, because I didn't really take notes, you know, per se. But, well, taking notes, what I mean is, I didn't really say, oh, was it around this timeline that RVD got suspended, you know, and then looked that up. But I'm just going to assume based on what RVD just told me, because his exact words are, he looked at Paul Heyman and he said, have you seen me the last couple of days, Paul? Quote, I've been smoking. RVD got suspended, probably 30 days before this um, show, or less, <clears throat> because he was caught with another wrestler, Sabu, who we talked about recently at the beginning of the program, faced off against that Amish man named Roadkill. But anyway, RVD and Sabu were caught with marijuana and crack cocaine. 
at and around that time. Now, how would I know that if I didn't do research on it? A lot of you are probably asking. Well, it was on the news. And not only that, but it's been on like, oh, here's top 10 drug busts of WWE superstars uh, over the past z -z -z years, you know. And in 2006, RVD got suspended for his, you know, like news tabloids tend to pick this stuff up and let us fans know about it. In one instance, as a matter of fact, whenever I was living with my mom, um, because I was 12, and I can't buy a house if I'm 12, but anyway, in one of those instances, whenever you're living with your mom, and she, once upon a time, called me into the living room of where we used to, I guess, live, <laughs> makes enough sense to me. Don't question my logic. And um, whenever I went ahead and then I ran uh, to see what was wrong because she sounded like it was urgent. And then I said, I sort of ran from my room into the living room. And then I was like, yeah, mom, what do you want? And then I was like, mom. And then she said, shh. And then she pointed at the TV. And, um. She points at the TV. It said, local wrestler Rob Van Dam. And then proceeds to tell me that, you know, they got arrested recently. And I shouldn't say local wrestler, but, you know, that's practically what, what happened. Is <clears throat> there was like a news story about it. And whenever my mom heard that. I'm not I'm not sure what her logic is. Because this makes her look like a hypocrite. Whenever my mom heard that, she bursted out into laughter for some unknown reason. She started clapping her hands together and then she does that like that cackle laugh that she usually does. It makes her sound like she's one of the uh fucking bad guys from Disney. Ah, ah you know. One of those laughs. <clears throat> anyway, moving on. That was practically a story of how I figured out that Rob Van Dam had been arrested for smoking. And, I mean, his promo here does him no favors whenever he literally looked at Paul Heyman and said, Have you seen me the past few days, Paul? I've been smoking, you know, so, <sighs> Edge comes from the crowd and kicks two fans out of, uh, out of their seats and sits down in their chair. <clears throat> Commentary says that, uh, last night Edge made a reference to the fact that he was going to be at ECW uh, he may or he may have said that he was going to show up at ECW uh, on a prior episode of wrestling, and seen as though that uh, the the ECW used to come on on Tuesday nights, and they said that it was last night whenever Edge made said reference said that he was going to show up to Tuesday night 
And they said that it was last night whenever he said that. Well, it must have been Monday night. Raw. You know, their flagship program that they like to shove down your fucking throat. Don't miss Monday Night Raw. <clears throat> Episode of wrestling seen as though that uh, ECW used to come on uh, Tuesdays on the Sci-Fi Network. It only makes sense that if Edge made his comment last night, he would have made that comment on Monday night. Because what comes before Tuesday is Monday. <clears throat> We get an impromptu interview from Taz uh, to Edge, and he says he's the whole effing show and then proceeds to mock Rob Van Dam in doing so. Some of the taunts that RVD, that uh, Van Dam uh, uses in telling the uh, interviewer Taz that he better be careful because he knows how to choke someone out too. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Rob Van Dam, and RVD is the um, both the ECW champion and the WWE champion. He defeated. Um, <clears throat> he recently defeated John Cena, with the help of Edge, of course, but they don't talk about that. Well, I mean they do, but you know, whenever people remember uh, last. Whenever people remember the One Night Stand event from 06, they don't exactly talk about what took place. But <clears throat> WWE sort of unintentionally, you know, buried their own um, um, talent with that event. Having it take place in Philly, sort of the heart of ECW. Anyway, uh, we get a We Want Cena's chance echoing throughout the and across the arena, <clears throat> making some noise. Angle keeps uh, taking RVD to the ground and locking him down. RVD is grabbing the ropes and making Kurt Angle uh, break the holds. Monkey flip on RVD in the corner. Um, I feel like that that should be RVD monkey flips. Um, Kurt Angle. I don't remember Angle doing it to RVD. We get the We Want Cena's chants uh, echoing through the crowd. And if you're not chanting We Want Cena, then they're also booing very loudly. They're booing very loudly. Van Dam gets his clock cleaned by Kurt Angle. It throws RVD uh, off the top turnbuckle and into the barricade. Okay, well, I'm going to leave these dogs now. Who seem to have some issue with me walking. I swear to God, man. Saturday night. The dogs have to be up. You know, they, could, they couldn't have just give them the needle already. And I don't mean put them... Actually, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Just put them this... You know, a little bit of lavender does the trick. A little bit of hot sauce in the, in the dog food, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, 
Hey, uh, Ralph, I guess my dog's name is Ralph now. Do you like uh, spicy dog food? Let's see. You know, a little bit of taco sauce here, a little bit of shabamity bamity boom bibbity bibbity bop 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 anyway belly to belly suplex on RVD um on RVD Kurt Angle uh really looking intense <clears throat> we get the first pin by Kurt only gets a two uh Angle with another package pin. Only gets two count. Uh, RVD pins uh, Angle. But uh, not for very long. So assuming he only gets a two. Uh, <clears throat> belly to back exploder suplex. So a, a German release suplex. Uh, with a pin. Kurt with a uh, hook of the leg. He only gets two count. He wouldn't have to hook the leg had he would have uh, just bridged on that um, suplex right there. But it's okay. Kurt Angle with the camel clutch in the center of the ring. Uh, spinning leg lariat. Commentary talks about how much uh, energy it takes. <clears throat> it takes out of a man to be ridden by another man. Pay attention to what they're saying. They're using the um, verb, ridden, um, not like, hey, I'm trying to get rid of you, or anything like that, but it's like, ride cowboy, you know, sort of like that, <laughs> so I pointed it out, because there's more sexual innuendo here, if you've got a dirty mind, like most of us do, <clears throat> anyway, a conversation just turned uh, sexual, even though I know that they weren't talking about uh, no sexual routes, no sexual uh, routes. Two, they were talking about the base and the power that it would take to escape a man like Kurt Angle in a wrestling contest, but they just keep using that word and that terminology, riding, you know. Save a, save a horse. Fuck a cowboy. Sorry, ride. Didn't mean to say the, the F word. It was an accident. I don't have, like, Tourette's or anything. All right, I was just waiting for that loser to leave. Okay, well, we got us another one. What do you know? Need to slow down? Go ahead, slow down. I dare you. Do it again. What, do you want me to run into traffic? That's what I thought, son of a bitch. The fuck up out of here. There's like three fucking cross streets you could have taken. Instead, you choose the one that I'm on? Yeah, okay, buddy. You following me? Hmm? What are you? Cop? Hmm? Got something against white people? That's what I thought. See what I have to deal with? Whole bunch of dog shit. <coughs> RVD catches the second wind. Uh, trying to wear Kurt Angle down by using a flurry of forearms and uh, consistent speed attacks, but in doing his one-hit combos until Angle starts uh, countering by throwing RVD into the corner. Teardrop suplex by Angle. He only gets a two-count. 
angle with another German suplex. He only gets two count. Angle with an angle lock, ankle lock rather, on RVD with a counter who looks to get a cover, but he only gets a near fall. He only gets a two count. RVD gets RVD gets caught in midair and gets put in an ankle lock because RVD was looking for a uh, some sort of kicking maneuver. But Kurt Angle catches him out of midair. He was looking for some sort of spinning kicking combination. And RVD gets put on the ground by Kurt Angle. RVD with a slingshot guillotine leg drop only gets a two count after. RVD with a split-legged moonsault only gets a two count on Kurt Angle. So this was basically a race to the finish. Everybody just kept doing moves and then just like, oh, should I go for pin now? Should I go for pin? Oh, I'm going to go for pin. Oh, here comes another pin. Oh, submission, submission. Oh, no, he's got him in submission. Oh, no. Will he tap out? Me, I was waiting for the obvious to happen because I can sort of see these stories and I can sort of see right through them, you know? So the obvious thing that was supposed to happen was the fact that the man earlier that I just mentioned, um, Edge, who kicked those two guys out of their seat and decided to decided to be watching the wrestling contest. Edge, the man who said that he would be there on Tuesday, he said that he would be there whenever he said that, he said that on Monday. Well, I was kind of waiting him for him, rather, to do some damage. You know what the problem is with that? He waited until after the match before he attacked. So there I was, waiting for the obvious to happen when it never really happened. <clears throat> uh, RVD with a split-legged moonsault. He only gets two count on Kurt Angle. Ah, oh, motherfucker, dude. Anyway, do apologize about that explicit um, language that I was using. However, I was trying to walk home whenever some jackass decided that it was a good idea to go down the wrong side of the street, um, you know, as per usual, because I can't escape these people. It's almost like, you know, you have three or four or five or six. This whole street's nothing more than just a big circle with like, cross parallel um streets that sort of run congruent run parallel rather to the same street so you don't have to come down the same street every time but me i come down the same street every time because it's what i was assuming is the street with the least amount of vehicles but i'm wrong because it's almost like these dumbasses don't know that the street that they're on can be taken from three or four different side streets. 
and that there's other roads that they can take. <clears throat> Imagine you're in line somewhere, right? Just stick with me here. You're in line somewhere. <clears throat> and there's like 12 different, you know, lines. There's a short line, the shortest line. And then there's like six long eight-hour lines for the same, you know, for the same result. The same food or, or the same roller coaster ride. Why would you choose the longest line? <clears throat> Unless it's a line of Coke. I don't see why you would choose. <laughs> I mean, if they if they split out the Coke and then there's like a long line of Coke and then someone, whoever doesn't get the longest line of Coke gets like, you know, the shortest lines of Coke, I guess you could say. <laughs> Or unless you're drawing straws and you get the shortest straw, you know. But that's neither here nor there in these scenarios. Why choose the longest line, you know? You would figure that you would want to choose one of the shortest roads to get you home. <clears throat> Seems as though that every time that I choose a road, however, it's, you know filled with nothing more than a whole bunch of fucking clowns who just want to bump their music, they want to rev their engine. Oh, man, the other half of shit that I've had to deal with. All I want to do is just record my show, record this, this podcast. <clears throat> okay, so uh, RVD hits a split-legged uh, guillotine. I'm sorry, a uh, split-legged moonsault and only gets a two-count on Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle stops a frog splash attempt and only gets a two-count uh, from a beautiful uh, super belly-to-belly -belly suplex on RVD. RVD's literally about to do the jump that he does once he, he tries to hit that five-star frog splash and um, Angle beats him to the top of the uh, turnbuckle before he can jump, and then literally just chucks him, like, overhead. And whenever he does, he, he flies, like, halfway across the ring. <clears throat> and Angle is so aggressive. <clears throat> this entire match, he's shown nothing but intensity. And like, a, like he had said before, since April 2nd, he had felt like a failure. And it shows here that he's, as he said before, failure is not an option. And he is not a failure. <clears throat> RVD then hits a five-star frog splash on Kurt Angle and gets the win. I gave it four out of five stars. Um, this match was very elusive match. I don't really remember seeing highlights from this one. And uh, you would figure where it's such a high-octane match, high-octane offense, and uh, such an expertly crafted contest between two individuals uh, who at the time, at the top of their game, 
uh, this match didn't really follow the same formula as other matches at, um, uh, of its kind, rather, would have to follow such the fact story-driven purpose Oh, for the story-driven purposes, uh, it I would have figured that it would have happened like differently. That Edge would have interfered on the match, uh, costing Kurt Angle the match because he was sitting at ringside, as I mentioned and alluded to before uh, throughout this contest. The cameraman kept pointing to him. Uh, if I didn't say that, then. Oh, I'm sorry. The cameraman just kept showing Edge almost like at every point, at every uh, contention that he got. The cameraman just got uh, almost like every time that Kurt Angle kicked out or every time that RVD did something, the cameraman would just point at Edge's... Um, face because he is the rated R superstar as though that he is a uh, story driven element and that story almost to foreshadow that uh, something is going to happen that he is going to uh, bring otherwise why would the cameraman pay attention uh, to this person in the second row because the cameraman wouldn't have any reason to pay attention to this person who is sitting front row. Uh, the cameraman should, shouldn't care yeah, who is uh, in the front row, regardless of whether it was another superstar or perhaps a celebrity uh, who might have a vested interest in this match. So I expected there to be some formula to follow suit, but... It surprised me because instead of that, we get a wrestling contest that seen RVD take the win. Uh, as I'm taking notes uh, for the close of the uh, for the close of the show and the close of this match, uh, Edge does show up, uh, gets out of his front row seat, and as RVD has his back turned and is celebrating the victory, Edge decides to spear him. The good news is, this happened uh, after the wrestling contest was over, and technically didn't follow the formula that I was talking about. The formula would involve Edge costing RVD the contest, or for that matter, Edge costing um, Kurt Angle the contest. Thank you all so much for joining me for yet another episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. My name is Mocha. This has been the Gut Wrench Podcast. And before we go away, yes, I'm still planning on doing the um, North American tour. So I know that I didn't mention it this week. I know that I haven't said anything about it, and I know that I was gone from since last week or whatever else. But hopefully you guys enjoyed the fact that I poked a hole in, I feel as though that it's a large hole in the um, 
lore of Christianity, and hopefully you guys enjoyed the fact that I um, took it upon myself to practically take this this episode of, of wrestling and dissect it, as I do every week. Well, almost every week. I skipped last week. But it's only to get my schedule back on track so that I'm not uploading these on Tuesday anymore. Rather, they'll be up on a Saturday or Sunday, regardless of my work schedule, my sleep schedule, my fuck schedule. Because, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta bend her over and be like, all right, it's a coming. You know, I swear if I was George Bush and I was like married to Hillary... I would be like, all right, Hillary, here comes the plane into your tower. I'm sorry. That was a terrible joke. I shouldn't have said that. I can imagine any 9-11 survivors. Well, technically, I'm a 9-11 survivor. You know, I mean, if I think about it, those who were born before 9-11 and then I swear I'm just making dad jokes at this point. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining me. That's a wrap. Almost said peace out. (laughs) I almost said peace out. Oh my god. That's a wrap. Bang. Good night, everybody.